0: There are two methods of curing the mischiefs of faction, the one by removing its causes, the other by controlling its effects. There are again two methods of removing the causes of faction, the one by destroying liberty which is essential to its existence, the other by giving to every citizen the same opinions, the same passions, and the same interests. Folks, welcome back to another episode of Food for Thought. As always, this is your host, Jonathan Coots, and I have an exciting episode for you. But before we get there, let us uh, we have a little bit of a housekeeping to do. It's been made clear to me that someone was telling me, one of my listeners has brought up the fact that sometimes I make some ludicrous claims and I make some... Um, opinions and I and I have some ideas that I spread that can seem kind of a little bit ludicrous or they can seem maybe a little bit wild and it would be good for me to tell you guys that all of these claims that I make come from uh, sources. Usually I spend time and find as many academic or as close to academic sources as I can. Um, so if you guys are looking for the sources, most of the time they are going to be in the descriptions. ...of my episodes. I have links to all of the articles where I get my uh, information from, like specifically um, with the last one, the the benefits of comedy and all those. I have links in that episode, uh, the description to um, actual medical journals uh, where they do studies, and so you can find information there always, and then they will also be available on Patreon as well. Um, I might make that something that you can go to and, of course, access those references for free. um, But you can go to Patreon and uh, find references to all of the episodes that I do, just like with this upcoming episode, this current, or I should say this current episode. I'm recording this a couple of weeks in advance. But this uh, current episode, you'll be able to find uh, the references on Patreon or in the description. um, But you can also get access to an article that I'm going to be writing on this same topic that will be for paid Patreon members only. Um, So there's a lot of free stuff on Patreon, but then there's a lot of paid stuff as well. Bonus content, extra articles, the coffee and conversation segments. uh, Those will all be available on Patreon, uh, and I recommend you check them out because they are very interesting and very good articles. Regardless, let's get into the episode today. What is this episode about? Well, if you guys are paying attention, it's about time for the midterms. And the midterms means a lot of political pandering, but it also means one other specific thing. It means that a lot of people are going to be slamming on and making claims about the electoral college and why we don't need the Electoral College anymore, and the history of the Electoral College, and how it was always meant to kill, destroy, abolish, oppress, suppress our God-given democracy. Well, I have heard so many arguments about the Electoral College, especially in my time in college, in history classes, in government classes. I even had one person, one of my professors, tell his whole class of students... And I forgive the phraseology if it offends you, but he called the Electoral College crazy ass. Uh, And he said that, of course, we should abolish it because it is a foolish institution that kills our democracy. Well, he just so happens to be exactly 100% correct. It does, in fact, kill our democracy. And thank God that it does. But it was never meant to be a democracy. Our nation was never meant to be a democracy. So yes, the Electoral College prevents our democracy. But that's exactly, exactly what it is supposed to do. So I read a quote at the beginning of this episode, as I do, with just about every episode I read some sort of quote. And that was from, um, not the Articles of Confederation, <laughs> the Federalist Papers. That was one by James Madison. And I'd like to continue on that path. I'm going to read I'm going to read it again and then I'm going to read through. There are two methods of curing the mischiefs of faction. The one by removing its causes, the other by controlling its effects. There are again two methods of removing the causes of faction. The one by destroying the liberty which is essential to its existence. The other by giving to every citizen the same opinions the same passions, and the same interests. It could never be more truly said of the first remedy that it was worse than the disease. Liberty is to faction what air is to fire, without which it instantly expires. But it could not be less folly to abolish liberty, which is essential to political life, because it nourishes faction. Then it would be to wish the annihilation of air, which is essential to animal life, because it imparts to fire its destructive agency. The second expedient is as impracticable as the first would be unwise, as long as the reasons of man continue fallible, and he is at liberty to exercise it. Different opinions will be formed. As long as the connections subsist between his reason and his self-love, his opinions and his passions will have a reciprocal influence on each other, and the former will be objects to which the latter will attach themselves. The diversity in the faculties of men from which the rights of property originate is not less insuperable obstacle to a uniformity of interests. The protection of these faculties is the first object of government. Our government is designed to protect our faculties, is to protect our liberty. And as long as we have liberty, we will have a difference of opinions. So that's what he talks about with fractions. So, or factions, I'm sorry, not fractions. Fractions are math. Factions is what he defines as something else. Let's... um. Let's see, I've got all these papers here. Let's read a quote by Madison. Um, what he, he calls, so I, sh- I should preface this. The founders were afraid of all forms of tyranny. They hated tyranny in any way comes, coming from the thumb of King George and the oppressive taxation without representations and all of that. So they, they had two forms of tyranny that they feared. Tyranny of the many and tyranny of the one. Tyranny of the one obviously being a tyrant or dictator. Tyranny of the many being mob rule. And they feared that one faction can sometimes become a majority. And it was the duty of the government to make sure that that majority faction did not take over the minority. That's what he was talking about when it comes to factions and the fact that factions are guaranteed to exist. They're guaranteed to happen as long as the faculties of men are fallible. If you saw my post uh, that I made on Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, which you should, by the way, um, I made a post a while ago uh, giving a quote by James Madison about if if men were ruled by angels, we wouldn't really need government, but we're not. We are evil people by nature because, like it or not, He made that quote because our founders founded our government on Christian, Judeo-Christian principles. And so he knows that men are fallible. He even says it right here. The faculties of man, as long as the faculties of man are fallible, factions will arise. And factions will arise because we have liberty. So then the problem comes, how do we protect that liberty? Well, before we get there, let's read a bit of our Constitution. I know, God forbid. The electors shall meet in their respective states, and vote by ballot for two persons, of whom one at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. And they shall make a list of all the persons voted for, and the number of votes for each which lists they shall sign and certify, and transmit sealed to the seat of government of the United States. Directed to the President of the Senate. The President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the certificates, and the votes shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes shall be the President, if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. So, that is what the electors do. They are, in essence, a way to make sure that the states vote. Because we have the popular vote, and then we have the electoral college vote. And the electoral college was designed to make sure that states get to vote. Because populations, people, are fallible. And so, as a product of that, they feared that people would be swayed by a coercive and a fashionable president. And no longer would a good, honest president be chosen, but one who was slick with words, a silver-tongued gossip, a silver-tongued politician is what they feared. But then they also feared democracy in its pure form because one Because democracy is one step away from monarchy, as Alexander Hamilton quotes. Let's read a couple of quotes by our esteemed framers of the Constitution. This is some quotes by Alexander Hamilton. It has been observed by an honorable gentleman that a pure democracy, if it were practicable, would be the most perfect form of government. Experience has proved that no position in politics is more false than this. The ancient democracies, in which the people themselves deliberated, never possessed one feature of good government. Let's go on. We are now forming a republican government. Real liberty is never found in despotism or the extremes of democracy, but in moderate governments. One more. The instability is inherent in the nature of popular governments, a.k.a. democracy. I think very disputable a representative democracy where the right of election is well secured and regulated and the exercise of the legislature, executive, and judiciary authorities is vested in select persons chosen really and not nominally by the people, will, in my opinion, be most likely to be happy, regular, and durable. The Heritage Foundation is a great resource for looking up this kind of things. They provide great commentaries on these old documents, because oftentimes they can be very hard to read and understand. So I'm going to reference the Heritage Foundation in a couple of these next passages, because they provide great clarity into this very topic. The electors were designed in such a way as to give smaller states and larger states the proper amount of representation, just as our whole government is representative, because that is a feature of a representative democracy, a.k.a. a republic, or a democratic republic, as we're sometimes called. But really, we are more republic than we are democratic because of our electoral college and because of the way we have representatives and senates. So they, uh, they struggled, the founders struggled with uh, many proposals on the election of the president. The delegates of the Constitutional Convention settled on establishing this college of electors and then appointing the number according to the total representatives and senators from each state. This method then um, permitted the smaller states to have a somewhat greater proportionate share in the choosing of the president, though not as large an advantage as they had in the Senate. So, as I said before, this was a way to ensure that really that states got votes because most states take a winner-take-all approach, apart from Nebraska And I think Maine, Um, I'm not sure, but there are two states that do not take a winner-take-all method. So whoever wins over the state wins the electoral votes, and the electoral votes is the vote that really counts. Now, the reason we have the popular vote is because the popular vote, to a certain degree, sways the way a state will fall. But the electoral votes come from that state, so it gives... Another feature of the Electoral College is it makes sure that candidates try to uh, have a national appeal. So we have swing states, which are very important, but swing states change. Unlike many people in media will say, the swing states do, in fact, switch around. But we have swing states, and then we have pretty steadfast states because of popular votes where people congregate and they vote in a similar way, a.k.a. a faction. Anyways... This feature, this Electoral College, ensures that the different uh, candidates will make a nat- make themselves nationally available. They will try to not just win a couple of states because if they do that, it won't work. So they have to go to all the states, small states included, and um, appeal to those folks as well. So the framers did not trust the popular vote, believing... Um, the voters at large to be uneducated and ill-informed on who would be running for government. Um, And that is largely true. Uh, Many people do not take the time to actually research candidates, but just go for the silver-tongued, suave devils that uh, tickle their fancy and say that they're going to do the kind of change that these folks want. But this is a foolish thing to do. You need to do your own research into who you vote for. Um, but that is a true assertion. Many people don't know information. There's a quote, I believe. I don't remember who says it. Um, but I think it's, it it might be Denzel Washington. If you don't read new the news and you don't follow the news, you're, misinf- or you're ill-informed. If you read the news, you're misinformed. And that is true, because the failings of media is n- more apparent now than ever. Everybody is extremely biased. Um, there's a great, uh, I'll have it linked in there, but a great resource talking about the polarization of media. Our media has never been more polarized than it ever before in the, the history of our nation. And So they just reflect the polarization, and they have played a fundamental role in creating that polarization by appealing to identities with their reporting. Even though we have technology, because one of the reasons that people say, oh, the Electoral College is only because they did not have modern technology back then, so they needed these other things, there's a lot of... Uh, ways in which people will claim that very phraseology—that oh, it's because they didn't have modern technology. One of the things that would astound—I I believe this is this is my opinion, my my personal opinion—I believe the framers of the Constitution would be astounded and dumbfounded by how much we care about federal issues because our government was never supposed to be. Our federal government was never supposed to be this large. It's mainly because of Emperor Roosevelt that this happened in the first place. But I read in my episode right before the apathy of communism, the spirit of America, um, I read a a document written by John Adams about the four uh, fundamental parts of American culture, the militia, the schools, the local governments, and the churches local government was always supposed to be what we cared about that's why they cared about state's voting because we were supposed to be invested in our states in our governors and our mayors we were supposed to be invented in, invested excuse me into that local government and our local government would become a reflection of that state so our state would vote the way that we actually wanted to because we would care so much about our governors and our mayors I think 2020 has done a fantastic job of showing why that was so important, because I don't know about you folks, but I didn't even know what my governor's name was until 2020, when all of a sudden, our states had a huge impact in our day-to-day lives. Even before that, and even now, many federal mandates take a while to trickle down and actually affect our day-to-day lives, but decrees by mayors and governors have instantaneous effects. So it's important that we invest ourselves in those. And the fact that we don't care about that is what is shocking and why people don't like the electoral college because they just want federal votes. They don't really care about voting for their states. But anyways, regardless of that, we were talking about the media and that, um, one of the reasons we have this is because uh, we have this modern technology and the modern technology should dispel away the necessity of the Electoral College because we are now educated on who we're voting for. But That is very, 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 very false because our media is more polarized now than ever. So they appeal to one side or the other. It's called an echo chamber or feedback loop of information, confirmation bias. You just read what you want to read because that's the only way they get clicks anymore. And they make scandalous headlines that are oftentimes completely unrelated to the actual article. And then it's just a campaign against one side of the political aisle or the other side of the political aisle. So the fact that we are reading media more now than ever is not doing anything because we are still misinformed. This time we're not ill-informed, we're simply misinformed because we're reading such polarized conversations on a given topic. The media does nothing to sway the way that people vote. Many people who are going to vote already know who they are going to vote for. They don't really care about the political debates of the presidents or anything like that. They know beforehand... So that's why you must do your own research into these things. But again, it is another reason why it is important that we have this electoral college because it is a more accurate reflection of how the states would vote and how our federalized government would come together. We are a republic, as I said. We have never been a democracy. Uh, Let's read an article or a, a short passage by Madison. This is from Article 10 of the Federalist Papers. A republic by which I mean a government in which the scheme of representation takes place, opens a different prospect, and promises the cure for which we are seeking. This is right following the passage I read about factions. In the extent and proper structure of the Union, therefore, we behold a Republican remedy for the diseases which incident to... for the diseases most incident to Republican government. And according to the degree of pleasure and pride we feel in being, Republicans ought to be our zeal in cherishing and supporting the character of Federalists. It can be little doubted... This is another passage, I'm sorry, that's one. Here's another passage. It can be little doubted that if the state of Rhode Island... Was separated from the Confederacy and left by itself, the insecurity of rights under the popular form of government, within such narrow limits, would be displayed by such reiterated oppressions of factions, effectuous major- majorities, that some power altogether independent of the people would soon be called for by the voice of the very factions whose misrule, and proved had proved the necessity of it. In the extended republic of the United States and among a great variety of interests, parties, and sects which it embraces, coalition of a majority of the whole society could seldom take place on any other principle than those of justice and the general good. Whilst there being thus less danger to a minor from the will of of a major party... There must be less pretext also to provide for the security of the former. By introducing into the government a will not dependent on the latter, or, in other words, a will independent of the society itself, it is no less certain then it is important, notwithstanding the contrary opinions which have been entertained, that the larger the society provided it lie within the practical sphere, the more duly capable it will be of self-government. And happily, for the republican cause, the practicable sphere may be carried to a very great extent by a judicious modification and mixture of the federal principle." That was very dense. Yes, I know. And I apologize about that, but I think it was important to read that because he hits on some very major parts. The biggest part, of course, being that very last, the Republican cause and the federal principle. He goes on by stating Rhode Island. Rhode Island is a very, very small state. and If it were separated away from the nation, uh, from this federal United States, it would have no opinion, no ability to come to the public space public square and live a political life because the political life i read that bit in the beginning on why we need in the the dangers of faction to political life political life is the interchanging of ideas in a public context in a a way an, an input upon the way that you are governed that is a political life so it's not democrat republic it's not this trigger word that we have now politics politics is Coming together in the public square for discourse on how a government should be run or discourse just with your other people. It's something that we should all have. We should all have an opinion on the way our lives run, on the way that our city square operates. We should have opinions on that, at least in my opinion. We should have some ability to discuss that in a civil manner. But he's talking about Rhode Island, and if Rhode Island was separated away from this federal style of government that they are proposing in these uh, federalist papers, then they would have no power, no authority. They would be overrun by the major. And so by introducing to the government this Republican cause, it is a remedy for that. It is a remedy for the powers of the factuous majority. It is... The cure of which they're seeking, the federal principles, these this representative government, this way that the Republican cause comes together in the form of the Electoral College. The Electoral College is a way to ensure that these states get to vote. And in their minds, we were going to be invested in our states. And then our states would be a reflection of the popular, hence the Republican style of government and this federal institution that they created This federal democracy, this federal Republican democracy, or Democratic Republic, because federal is the United States aspect of it. We are—there's a federal body, and then we are the United States underneath this umbrella of federalism. We— our our own little nations that would compete and rival with each other to become the best that it could possibly be in all aspects of life, in our militias, in our our trade with each other. That was one thing that the government, the federal government was supposed to do, regulate trade between states, because we were supposed to have exports. And then the competing exports would be a way in which our our United States would thrive together. But anyways... I've made a lot of points here, and I've, I've read a lot of people, um, but I want to read a couple more um, quotes, or I should say one more. Madison. Hence it is that such democracies have ever been spectacles of turbulence and contention, have ever found incompatible with personal security or the rights of property, and have, in general, been as short in their lives as they have been violent in their deaths. I really like that a lot. Um, This is what he's talking about, democracies. They're one step away from monarchies. Democracies is a mob of one. And, or I'm sorry, a mob of many. But it always takes, if not one, a couple of people to instigate that mob in the first place. And we talked about this in the first episode of the Cold War podcast. The a vanguard party, what does it do? It riles up the masses and it's a direct democracy, is what Lenin wanted. I always bring this back to communism because communism is in essence a form of mob rule at the beginning. It is a direct democracy. One person Riles up the masses, or a small clique of people rile up a mass of people, and they then oppress or suppress the opinions of others, and they force their will on them, and that's exactly what we see happening right now. We're talking. We talked about the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks, and that the Mensheviks was the majority party, but it meant the minority because the minority party, the Bolsheviks, are. are ...forced their will onto others. Well, we're having very similar things happen in our government right now. Especially because this is going to be releasing in June, and I'm recording it in June, which is, in fact, Pride Month. 7% of our population is forcing down their opinions, their ideas, their factuous powers over us. Over a majority of the people. This is exactly what he's talking about. The problem with democracy, with pure democracy is we are all being subjected to this factuous ideas that is innate in the fallibility of men's ideas. But the beautiful thing is that they live in a government, in a nation where that is allowed, because we have liberty. But at the same time, in one hand, they are exercising the flame of factuousness in the air that is liberty, to use Madison's ideas, On the other hand, they're trying to remove our liberty, which is only going to spell disaster for themselves because when that that democracy one step away from monarchy takes the last step, we will no longer be in a democracy but a monarchy. And it's not going to be a good monarchy. It's not going to be a benevolent monarchy because, as we talked about, the man's ideas are fallible by nature. And when we are left to our own devices... We crumble. And that is why Madison also said that we have this system of government because we are not governed by the angels. Because if we were governed by the angels, our government would not be necessary. So, to remedy that problem, the fact that we are left in our own hands, we must make a government. And the government must be able to rule over the people, but it also must be able to rule over ourselves or itself. And so we have these systems. ...in place for that very reason, being the executive branch, the legislation, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. And long ago, we had the Electoral College designed to elect this official in the um, presidential position... ...in a time when the presidential position wasn't even all that powerful, because they feared monarchy... So they feared monarchy, and they made the presidential position not very powerful. And then at the same time, they made a redundant step so that nothing could be swept away, so that people in masses and droves wouldn't go behind one person like Donald Trump. He has a cult of personality, which is why I have been wary of Donald Trump, because of this cult of personality that he created around himself. Is he a great politician? Is he a moral man? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's a shady businessman who's created a cult around himself. Very, very similar to how Joseph Stalin did himself. Now, I'm not comparing Donald Trump to Joseph Stalin, but it is similar. And it is actually why we have the Electoral College in the first place, to prevent that kind of cult of personality to exist. And it's not doing a great job because a lot of people are trying to discourage it. And there are, there could be a slew of reasons Um Regardless, I think in the 2016 election, the better candidate, the actual candidate, was chosen. And the next one, well, that is up to speculation. Regardless, we have this electoral college, and it is more important now than ever, because virtuous men are much more lacking. And, as I said in the bit about media, we are more misinformed now than ever, because it's so hard to get an objective view of our candidates. So it's more important now than ever that we have this redundant step, this Electoral College, to ensure that to the best of our abilities, we have good candidates being elected into the presidential position because the presidential position is far more powerful now than it was. In 1787, when the Constitution was first thought up in the Constitutional Convention, and then in 1789, when it was ratified. It's important now that we have these redundant steps, because we don't want this big sweeping masses to happen. That's what the Founding Fathers wanted. And yes, the Electoral College is an attack on democracy, and justifiably so, because we were never meant to have a democracy in the first place. We have a federal nation. We have a federalist style of republican government. And last time I checked, when I was in school, and, and even now, in other, con- in other connotations and other instances, I put my hand on my heart, and I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Never once have I put my hand on my heart and pledged allegiance to the democracy of the United States of America. Folks, that's all I have for you today. I hope you got some good information out of this. Um, I hope you learned something new, and I hope you learned something real and practicable. So go and make informed decisions. Learn about this sort of stuff yourself. Go learn something new. Go learn something real. And I'll be back next week with some more Food for Thought.